1: Everyone wants the best education for their children, but parents and teachers don't always agree on how to get there. In this episode, we talk with two education leaders whose visions clashed when they first met. This is Let's Find Common Ground. I'm Richard Davies.
2: And I'm Ashley milne Giselle Huff is a philanthropist and long-time proponent of school choice, including charter schools. Becky Pringle has spent her career in public education. A science teacher for three decades, today she's president of the National Education Association, or NEA, the nation's largest teachers' union. Becky
1: and Giselle first met through Convergence Center for Policy Resolution, which brought them together with other education experts to agree on a vision to transform education for America's kids. Convergence encouraged them to leave their entrenched mindsets at the door.
2: Giselle is a Holocaust survivor who emigrated to the U.S. as a child and got a shot at the American dream. Becky wants every student, regardless of background, to be able to do the same. I started by asking Becky about how she got interested in teaching and education.
0: I always wanted to be a teacher, always. From the time I forced my two sisters to play school on the front steps of my North Philly home, I just had this calling to teach. And against my father's wishes, he did not want me to become a teacher. He had already seen the diminishment of, of respect for teachers. Certainly, I was never going to make a lot of money as a teacher. But most especially, my dad saw for me a Black woman following in the footsteps of so many before me because it was the most traditional of careers for a woman and for a black woman. My dad had fought a long, hard battle for me to be able to major in science. And when I told him I wanted to become a teacher, he was really disappointed in me. But a teacher I became, and I'll never forget when I got elected as an officer of the NEA back in 2008, my dad came up, he was at the convention and he said, Rebecca, I was wrong you're now in a position to have impact far beyond the confines of your classroom. Giselle, tell us about your background.
3: So I was the the executive director of a small family foundation in San Francisco for 22 years and started my career, the first half of it, looking at school choice as a solution to the problems with education in this country. And, um, Very much among those ideas were vouchers and charter schools and all of the choice ways of looking at uh, making education more effective for our children. So it was a reform movement, and um, we were supporting all of the organizations that were fighting these fights in the States. And in the context of that, it was very much anti-union. And I'm saying this here because we're sitting in the room virtually with the head of the NEA, which is the biggest teachers' union in the country. So that was the beginning of my career, the first half. And then in the middle of it, I became interested in the introduction of technology as an integral part of the curriculum in an industry that is a very large industry, $700 billion a year, that was ignoring the power of technology as a tool. And that's the place I was in when I was approached to participate in the uh, experience that Becky and I chaired.
2: So Becky, when you first met Giselle, just how different did your views feel from each other? Can you give us a sense of that? Well, I think she did that in her introduction so really
0: different. So what she didn't get into as much as the whole technology piece and so certainly as an educator I wasn't against technology but given her background with vouchers and charters and by the way this is this will be an interesting story to tell too around charters because Giselle and I talked about that. It was one of the ways we were kind of going at it which tried to bridge a little bit because I reminded her that you know unions started charters. We were trying to figure out a way to innovate from within. And so we started that and then it got away from us. And from our perspective, became this industry that really became more about destroying public education than innovating from outside and informing the system. But nonetheless, When I heard technology, all I could think about was the billions of dollars in technology and another effort to supplant educators, to diminish us in education and our role in that. And so it became another flashpoint for us. Uh, And we didn't, certainly I didn't, I'll speak for myself, didn't necessarily embrace it from the place of how we could actually get at some of the challenges and issues that we're having in in reaching every single student, right? But I thought about it as another challenge versus an opportunity. And so for me, when I thought about technology becoming so widespread in our system, I worry deeply about the inequities in the system and not addressing those before it became so widespread that those gaps of inequity grew and grew and grew for those kids that had been marginalized forever. Giselle, Becky said you went at it.
1: Uh, In what ways?
3: (laughs) Well, actually, um, I don't recall the experience quite in the same way, because (laughs) the whole concept behind the convergence meeting was from the first day that we started working on this, leave all your ideas behind. You are not a representative of charter schools. You are not a superintendent of a district. You are not the leader of the NEA. You are not you know, a conservative thinker from an institute. You're looking at this from the future and trying to establish what ought to be. So get rid of your luggage. Don't think about the things you're bringing into the room. For me, that was the most exciting part of the experience because it took a lot to let go. And from my point of view, our relationship, Becky, developed the way it did because we let go, because we were able to see each other as people and the authenticity of our passion even though they were not the same passions was enough to bring us together despite the distance between our ideologies that's what i recall most of all i mean i i found you so much of a person that i was able to relate my my thoughts about what we were grappling with to the kind of respect i had for you as a person and I think that's the thing that we're so lacking these days, that no one respects each other. If you don't give people credit for being a human being and for listening to how they present themselves and what their beliefs are in a genuine way, you can't get anywhere.
0: So I could not agree more, Giselle. And when I, when I used that phrase, we went at it. I, I I say it out of love for sure, because here this here was this this strong, powerful woman, um, and so when I say it that way, it, it's it's certainly out of respect for sure. But it was a challenge for me, right, to be able to show myself and to let go, to let come. And what was so unique for me, anyway, is I did it in the presence, and I mean presence, in the big you know, presence of this powerful woman who had this incredible history. So it was out of respect for that, but also what I loved about it, you know, I, it's me, I'm North Philly, born and bred, fight. You know, I'll never forget going to, to Pitt and the guys on the campus saying, you must be from Philly, because you just have an attitude and you're not even approachable. <laughs> That's right, because I'm going to come at you if you even think. But I saw that feistiness in you that I so connected with. But you are absolutely right. It was the push, convergence kept pushing us to go toward that aspirational vision. And that's what helped us to try to let go of where we were and let come that beautiful vision that we came to together.
1: Becky, you're sounding very positive, but you said you, you had an attitude going in. So were you surprised by what happened coming out?
0: I was. I mean, because here, here's the reality. Giselle's right. I mean, we all had to show up from our lenses, our experiences and all that and try to let that go. But I, I'll be honest. You know, I did feel like the union, more than any group individually, was under attack. And so, you know, <laughs> when you're under attack, you kind of show up in that way, but honestly, I approached the work from a place of of having that to some degree, but also to Giselle's point, I wanted to show up as that ten year old teacher on the steps of North Philly. Why did I do that? Why did I become who I am today because I cared about kids and I wanted to answered that calling for me. And when I became a union leader, that didn't change. And I needed, I wanted them to see that heart and that passion for kids, for all kids. And that I had a responsibility as an educator and as a unionist, and as a racial and social justice activist, I had a responsibility to show up in this space and do my best certainly to invite the best from others.
2: Could you give us a bit of context about the circumstances in which you met? Just tell listeners this convergence process. What is it? And did you come in sceptical? I'm just, I'd love to hear a bit more about how it works.
3: I was very skeptical. I'm not a committee person. I've always been a one woman office, and you know, I'm very independent, and I I don't believe in committees. I get very upset when long meetings go on and nothing happens, just a lot of lip-flapping. And because of the fact that I was a big proponent of technology, and I was one of the few people in the foundation world that was talking about that, they asked me to join and I thought I'm going to do this because I don't believe anything will come of it. I want to make sure that what I think is important is represented at the table. Let me just have a seat at the table and never mind, you know, how little people care about technology or don't understand it or have different ideas. I'm going to be there to speak about it. Just as you, Becky, were saying, you know, that the unions were being put upon and and you wanted to be there to represent the children and what
0: you care about.
1: And Becky, what's your view of the convergence process?
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. You know, I was very highly skeptical. <laughs> but we're going to talk about education, then we need to be there. But I believe that the facilitators, they took the time to understand who we were. I know they were very thoughtful about who they wanted to have at the table. They took care to talk to us in between Um, to continue to coax us to stay. and, (laughs) um, And then this was interesting for me anyway, Giselle, you and I talked about this. They actually created a space for us to not only let go and come, but also to have ownership. And so one of the things that we did towards the end and continued after was, okay, now you have this beautiful aspirational vision. What is your responsibility from where you are? What is your responsibility? And what that caused us at the NEA was to really dig into that vision and say, OK, I do feel a responsibility to do this, to make this real for us. And so it birthed, right, to sell that that next piece of it, the pioneers who were actually, you know, um, had actually started or wanted to start the learner centered system um and and that was exciting too so it became it wasn't just about talking and it wasn't just about articulating a vision but about seeing ourselves in it and what our responsibility was to to make it so
2: you're listening to becky pringle and giselle huff on let's find common ground i'm ashley and i'm richard This episode is co-produced in partnership with Convergence Center for Policy Resolution. It's one of a series of podcasts that Common Ground Committee and Convergence are producing together.
1: As you're hearing in this episode, Convergence brings together key stakeholders of an issue to work out policies that deliver the most value to the greatest number of people. Their projects emphasize collaboration and often result in friendships among people who come into their first meetings with opposing views. Now, more of our interview.
2: Giselle, I know you've had some fairly recent experience of facilitated meetings through your work with your new foundation, but that was online because of the pandemic. So when you think back to your meetings with Becky through Convergence, you were physically together in the same room. What was that like?
3: There's no comparison. There's no comparison because when you're in person, we got together in my case, the first get together, I did not attend. That's when they changed, they changed the format somewhat. There were five get togethers that I attended and they were for two and a half days each. So just like Congress in the old days, when they used to go out and have a drink, you know, at the end of a session, we had dinners together, we had breakfast, we went to places and talked to each other. I mean, it was a completely different experience. And that, I think, is what I can say without any question, that it was like night and day. So the online
2: experience just couldn't bring that same closeness?
3: there was no way that I could establish a relationship with anybody as I did with Becky during that period. No way. I mean, virtually, just as it's not, first of all, they were much shorter. We were, you know, you can't keep people in front of a computer for more than four hours. We were together for two and a half days.
1: And Becky, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, how important was it that you were, you know, face to face in the same room, eating together, meeting together informally rather than just sitting in front of a computer
0: and being remote the way all of us have been during COVID? Giselle and I had this seminal moment, right? That could never have happened through technology. When I asked her to step outside the room and just talk to me. You can't, you can't do that in a virtual set. I mean, you got breakout rooms, but you kind of have to organize those ahead of time. You can't just reach across reach into the box and say, could you step outside with me? Anyway, my point is those moments where you have the opportunity just to connect one-on-one, there's just nothing like breaking bread together to Giselle's point. This is nothing like it. Because you just start talking about your family. You know, I learned about more about, she had shared that in the group, but I learned more about her history. You know, we both suffered a tragic loss, her of her son and me of my husband. And, you know, just talking about that over dinner, there's nothing like looking in somebody's eyes. make me cry. (laughs) There's nothing like that. Uh, Just nothing like that, looking into somebody's eyes. And when you do that, you see their humanity. And that is what allows you to connect to that larger human experience and vision that we all want, right, for our kids, that we all want for our families, that we all want for this country. Honestly, you can't replicate it over the Zoom. I love seeing you, Lizelle, right now, but I can't wait till I get to San Francisco and see you.
3: Now, hugging is the thing I missed the most during the year and some months that we were separated from each other. That hug, that ability to just take somebody in your arms or be taken in someone's arms, is like, it's humanity, you know? I mean, it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself.
2: There you go. They both fear something's been lost during the last few years as culture wars escalate, And people with different perspectives don't meet face-to-face, don't even talk to each other sometimes. When Becky thinks back to their group meetings with Convergence and the vision they all came up with for the future of education, she's proud.
0: One of the things I loved about it um, Giselle, was the, the ending where, where it talks about, well, all of it, but, you know, talks about students being um, constructive members of the communities, understanding that, you know, they need to fill their full potential as empowered individuals. So it talks about them, you know, so that each child, their rich diversity and brilliance, but it also talks about them as part of a community. And it also talks about them being engaged citizens of the United States and the world.
1: What are some other concepts that you came up with as a result of this convergence process?
3: So the concept of getting thinking people together and getting them to drop their prejudices and moving forward on ideas that speak to the future is its the, what's missing from the human experience. I mean the whole idea that you look at problems holistically and you you think about what would be the best thing if there were no restraints whatsoever and i was asked to create the best society what would it look like really the focus was giving the children agency that was of all the things that we talk about many many things but Understanding that you have to empower the children to participate in their learning experience in a way that they were in charge of it as they progressed. Giving them the tools to be able to do that.
0: And you know, Richard, I would add that one of the things we really, really tackled was that when we think about the development of, of students, that we have to think about it in three domains. So we generally think about knowledge. That's what we generally think about. But we have to think about skills and we have to think about dispositions. And then we broke that down into five pieces or elements, and Giselle talked about the one that speaks to me more than any, and that is student agency, the whole concept of students owning their own learning, but we also talked about it being, uh, the learning being, and skills and dispositions being competency-based and being personalized and relevant and contextualized. We also talked about their experiences being socially embedded and open-walled, right, Giselle, and I th- those two things, those last two things, especially after this year, wow.
1: Our podcast is called Let's Find Common Ground. Any advice from both of you to others on how to
0: find common ground and and what common ground means to you? You know, I think where Giselle started, I'll end, and that is, you know, you you have to pick yourself up out of the current reality. You know, current reality will always pull you back to what you know and what you or think you know and and the way you've always done things. And and you can't free your mind to imagine what's possible. And so when you're trying to find common ground, it is about that aspirational future and trying to stay in that space, even as you, you know, you got to move, you got to take action to get there for sure, but you got to ground yourself in that common vision and never take your eye off of that. And
3: for me, it's everything you've said, Becky, it encapsulates what we went through. But remember that we also said at the beginning, what is the purpose of education? So the, the famous why question, right? If you can agree that you, that there's a why, or there's something that you, for instance, let's say we agree that everybody loves their children. Everybody wants the best for their children. That's common ground. It's only when you talk about process that you get a lot of disagreement. But when you're talking about the whys, we're all human beings, as I said before. We all have the same aspirations. Nobody wants to be hated. Well, maybe a few. But in general, you know, people want to be respected. They want to be liked. they want to participate. I mean, all of the things that human beings want. And if you can get to that root thing, then you can build on it and, and move forward.
2: Thank you both so much for joining us on Let's Find Common Ground today.
3: Thank you for having me and Becky. I mean,
0: we are so happy to do this together. (laughs) Always, (laughs) thank you. Thank you too, thank you, Giselle.
1: Becky Pringle and Giselle Huff. The learner-centered vision of education that Becky, Giselle and others in the Convergence Group created was named Education Reimagined. And later it spun off into a nonprofit in its own right.
2: And today, schools all over the US are part of this movement to transform education in their areas. That's our show for today. We'll be back in 2 weeks. You can check out all our past episodes at commongroundcommittee.org/podcasts. I'm Ashley Montite and I'm Richard Davies. Thanks for listening.